All right. So we're going to be talking about how to choose a life insurance company and how long to fund a policy. I love it. Forever. <laughs> forever, forever <laughs> and ever. Episode eight. Uh, I'm John Montoya and hey, this is John Parings. I hope everyone's doing well. So today's episode, you know, we, we get asked this, I want to say pretty often, you know, which companies do you use? Oh yeah. Yep. It's a, uh, it's kind of, it goes along with the, um, well, I, I think the title of the, of today's episode is how to choose a life insurance company and how long to fund a policy. And I'd say those are two of the most common questions, especially when people get a hold of you or I, and they are someone, or excuse me, somewhat educated on what infinite banking is, meaning they've done some, as much research as they can on the internet. And they, they usually come with, um, you know, some like a, a shopping around type of mentality to find the best insurance company. And, and then they've probably read something somewhere about, you know, one way being better than the other on how to fund it. Um, and so the, the which life insurance company you do or you work for is, 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 a, is a big one. Or they, they've been uh, miseducated because yeah. maybe they've watched uh, a couple of YouTube videos yep. and um, you've got an advisor touting, uh, you know, certain companies saying that they're the best. And um, for whatever reason, you know, that's, that's the companies that they hear about on YouTube or maybe just turn it on the TV. And, you know, you have some life insurance companies that do a lot of advertising um, and have a lot of great brand recognition. And so you tend to think uh, very highly of these companies that, you know, are, are very public in, in how they do their marketing, um, mm -hmm. but doesn't necessarily mean they're the right fit for IBC or right. even specifically the right fit for what you want to accomplish with IBC. But so let me just say, first of all, I completely understand the desire to want to compare and, and educate yourself and, and all of that. It's uh, the reality is though, when it comes to designing, um, especially an infinite banking um, type of policy, um, you know, the insurance companies just frankly don't don't release that information to the public in terms of how to do it. A lot of people say they want to design their own policy because they watched a, a guy on YouTube design, you know, or run an illustration and they just, first of all, you just don't have the ability to do it. And number, <laughs> number two, it really is such an individualized thing. There's no such thing in my opinion as a correctly designed life insurance policy. Uh, meaning there's no blanket, there's no blanket correct life insurance policy. I have had, um, you know, and as everyone knows, you got me into this business. And so you've been in it, you've been in it way longer than I have. And I have already had many, many cases where we started with, you know, kind of like the standard infinite banking style policy, so to speak. And we had to move off of that to meet their objectives in terms of what they wanted to do overall while still providing all of the same benefits that you get with an infinite banking policy. And there really is no, I probably should stop using infinite banking policy because infinite banking is a process, not a product. And so it's really more about understanding the process of infinite banking than it is the actual policy you're getting. 
I had a funny uh, image in my head. Um, you know those pharmaceutical commercials we always see on TV where yeah. you, know, you should talk to your doctor about <laughs> right. this particular drug. And then it goes yeah. on about all these side effects that you wouldn't wish <laughs> right. on anyone. Right. The, the image in my head, um, I, you know, someone calls me up and says, yeah, I'd like to have a, you know, an IBC policy with this company. And, and yeah. I'm just thinking in the back of my head, okay, well, I don't know where you got that information from, right. but uh, <laughs> here are the side effects of what yeah. you don't know. Do you really want to know, or would you like my trusted opinion? Because I know what I'm doing. Um, I am an authorized practitioner with IBC and I've been doing this a long time and I'm going to put your interest first. That's it. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that I always say when, when people are doing that is even if it's not me, the most important thing you can do is to find an advisor who you like and trust Absolutely. and work with them and let them help you figure it out. You know, like, like I said, you know, the information just isn't there and the ability for you to get the information just isn't there unless you want to spend, I mean, I had to get into the business to learn <laughs> how, how to really do this. You know what I mean? Like you can't just get the information and you can't, you don't have the ability to even design a life insurance policy when you're not Wait in the business. <laughs> Are you saying I didn't let you design your own policy? That's exactly what I'm saying. I did not. I did I'm not sorry. once touch uh, any illustration software. I didn't, uh, you, you just, uh, we talked about what I was trying to do and you, and you showed me a way to do it and it, and it was perfect. Well, glad to hear <laughs> that. <laughs> oh man. Um, so every IBC practitioner has their own relationships set up with uh, the companies that, you know, they, they have taken a liking to. That said, th this may surprise people, but there are over a thousand life insurance companies in the United States, and they're not all created equal. The, the biggest differentiating, differentiating point between a company, a life insurance company that we're going to work with, and the majority of them is how they're set up, mutual versus stock-based companies. Right. And of those thousand, last I checked, there were somewhere in the range of 40, I think 42 mutual companies. So not that interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, and of those mutual companies, I mean, that, like you said, that's the dividing line of really what you want to have. And, and all the infinite banking practitioners that I've talked to are all using top tier, you know, historic, historically, what's the word I'm looking for? They've been around for a long time. Let me go back to my Springfield, Illinois language. They've been around for a while and uh, meaning over 150 years. And so, you know, when people want to compare all these different companies, um, you and I have talked about this. I, I, I use the uh, software Truth Concepts and the, the creator of that, Todd Langford, his uh, mentor, guy named Norm Baker had a great quote. He said, there are no deals in the life insurance business. And it's such a good quote because it's true. Everything is about trade-offs. And so it's really just analyzing what you want. And then your advisor can pick the right company. He can 
design the right policy and make it work for what you want to do. It's all trade-offs. Absolutely. And, you know, some people are, are, you know, very focused on, well, okay, great. It's, it's a mutual company. I get that. So, you know, mutual meaning policy owners are part owners of the company versus stock-based companies where, you know, shareholders on, on Wall Street can own stock in that company. Um, so the, the relevance there is, is how dividends get paid out. Either they go to the shareholders that own the company or they go to the policyholders with a mutual company. Uh, so that's a right. huge difference. Um, but uh, people have a, a very solid grasp of that difference, I think, almost immediately. Yeah. And they understand, okay, I want a mutual company. So that's, that's simple. But then um, some people get caught up on, well, I want to work with this company because they're really large. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, maybe they haven't heard of some of the other smaller uh, IBC carriers. Uh, mm-hmm. and when I say IBC carriers, I just mean that they have a product that is in tune with how we would set up an infinite banking designed whole life policy. Um, and so there, there's a, of those 42, I'd say most of them you've probably never even heard of. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the reason being they, they don't spend, you know, uh, millions of dollars in advertising on TV. Yeah, that's a great point. And, um, you know, I think you, you taught me this. I mean, some of the top, some of the top carriers out there, you know, some of them do a ton of marketing. And so a lot of people know about them and the other ones only hire uh, experienced advisors who a lot of times already have their own network. So they don't need to do a lot of marketing. The advisors are essentially bringing um, a network to the table uh, or they're, you know, good at going out and, and generating business. And so a lot of people don't know about those um, just because they're not doing a lot of advertising. And so, you know, the, the, the name recognition doesn't always um, uh, equate to, you know, who's the, who's the better company out there. Right. And you have to think about it. You know, why do companies, some companies do more advertising than others? In part, it's because they have a lot of agents who need that type of brand name recognition behind them because they don't have the experience and the network set up right to market themselves. Yep. So not a bad thing, but you know, that's the reason why some companies spend millions of dollars on advertising and others don't. Right. Yep. And all the, all the best carriers out there, they all have similar, you know, ratings for the most part. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I can't think of one IBC carrier that's not an A-rated company. Yes. I can't think of one IBC carrier that hasn't been around for at least 100 years and has ever missed paying a dividend. And when you say an IBC carrier, what you're, what I think you're saying is a carrier that has some type of whole life insurance product that is, um, you know, friendly to IBC practitioners. Um, what are some of the characteristics that are most important um, to uh, an IBC carrier? So the first one, it has to be mutual based. So that's yep. a given. Right. Uh, the second one, it has to have a whole life policy with a flexible 
paid up edition writer. Mm, yep. Going beyond that, uh, one of the things that I like to look for is the catch up or carryover provision because life has so many curveballs that sometimes we aren't able to max fund our paid up editions writer each year. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of the carriers, they have a use it or lose it approach to paid up editions, which means if you could put $10,000 into a paid up editions writer, but for whatever reason, you're only able to put in 6,000 during that policy year. Well, that 4,000 in unused PUAs, that does not carry over to the next year. You can't catch up. Right. So I like to favor carriers that have a flexible product design with that paid up edition writer and a flexible catch up provision. I think that's important because if we're thinking long term, you know, we're, we, we want to be able to get as much premium into these plans as possible. And a catch up provision is a key part of that. Completely. And I mean, you know, the whole idea um, behind infinite banking is to create your own sources of capital. And so being able to have that catch up is huge if you have whatever, a year or two years where you're unable to maximize the capital accumulation in that policy, then we want to be able to, we want to be able to catch up with that. Absolutely. Another one is high loan to value. There, there are some people that need access to as much cash value as possible. Um, and they like being able to have maybe as much as 94, 95, uh, there's some companies that will allow you as much as 99% of your available cash value to take a policy loan on. Um, I generally don't, um, don't think it's wise to take a maximum loan. Um, everyone has their reasons. I, I, w- I guess I would look at it across multiple different policies. If you have multiple policies and you want to take a max loan on one of them, okay. That, that works for me. Um, right. I have my own general rule of thumb for my own personal philosophy, which um, I think as people are progressing in their own IBC uh, system and accumulating policies, they'll, they'll establish their own uh, kind of set of rules. But for me, I don't ever like to have more than 50% of my available cash value out on loan at any one time. And that's my own personal rule. Uh, it's different for everyone, but I like having access to cash whenever I need it because you just never know. I mean, rainy days right. do come, um, pandemics do happen. More importantly, too, on the plus side, opportunities arise. And so I do like to have a, the availability to seize an opportunity when I get one. Yeah. So another way to look at that is um, your emergency opportunity fund. And so, you know, some portion, whatever that is, whether it's a month, three months, six months, one year of your income should be, you know, your emergency fund. And that should just stay and only be, and be there available for emergencies. And the rest of that can be used for opportunities. So whether it's a percentage of your cash value or a number that you have for your emergency fund, you know, I totally agree that we, you know, we should not max, max out the, uh, the policy loans against a, uh, against the the cash value of the policy. 
Another item that I, I think is important is ease of use. Mm-hmm. So what I'm talking about there is the ability to request policy loans and then how quickly I can receive those funds. So being able to either pick up the phone, a lot of my clients call me and I'm happy to uh, administer uh, the, the request on their behalf. Um, but it's, it's as easy as calling up the life insurance company or maybe going online or ultimately I think the most time, time consuming way, um, which uh, <laughs> is really hard work, but you complete a two page form that probably takes you no more than 60 seconds and you email or fax it in. All right. Well, one thing you taught me was to, you know, encourage uh, new clients to just do a test policy loan and they, they can sort of find out how easy it is for themselves. Uh, I, I would, one funny thing is, you know, insurance companies probably aren't known for their, uh, you know, uh, being on the bleeding edge of, of technology. You know, it's uh, most of them aren't like going to your bank's website where you have a lot of different stuff you can do. Um, but they are very easy to deal with. I mean, sometimes it still requires picking up the phone, but um, there's just, there are so few hoops to jump, to jump through um, because everything is guaranteed. Uh, it, it just, it's so easy. Right. And you know, something I, I just thought of right now, it wasn't in the notes, but uh, even applying and getting medically approved for a policy. Yeah. That has taken a leap. That uh, has. Yeah. I mean, we're now in 2020 able to get our clients approved in, in most cases. Now this is, this is applying to people who, who have a excellent health history, uh, but without ever needing a paramed exam. And I mean, it's really remarkable to go from application to conditional approval within an hour and then have that same policy that was applied for issued in 24 to 48 hours. It's great. I mean, you know, there are are certainly some of those, you know, online uh, inexpensive term insurance companies out there that you can get, you know, maybe like a half a million or a million bucks, maybe 2 million bucks, something like that. But, you know, for anything over that, most, you know, most people have to go through an underwriting process. So anybody, you know, who, who needs more insurance than that, than those kind of small amounts. Um, the process is becoming much easier, um, you know, for up to millions of dollars uh, in, in underwriting. Yeah, I love it. It makes our jobs easier and our clients like it because, you know, a lot of people, I'm one of them, you know, don't really like needles. Yeah, right. And speaking of underwriting, which, and, and paramed exams, that gets to the health component of things. You know, a lot of, a lot of times um, I have to refocus clients on the unbelievable benefits of actually just protecting your life. (laughs) And so some of the, you know, some of the things, obviously the death benefit is, is protecting your life. As you get a little bit older, that death benefit becomes more asset replacement protection. But the, but a couple of the things that you have listed on here is waiver of premium and chronic illness rider. Those are huge um, benefits that just come included with, you know, some of the, some of the good, uh, life insurance products out there where we're now creating a situation where um, no matter what happens, whether you die early or if you become st- 
sick or too hurt to work, you have a situation where your financial um, plans or your financial products are kind of self-completing and providing um, financial support when you cannot. On that note, we're talking about important characteristics. You know, what, what's, um, what's important to look for in IBC. I have this down, but it's actually, in my opinion, what's not important. And that's direct versus non-direct dividends. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That is a, that's a big one in the shop around world. Right. So this is my, my Nelson story that you wanted to hear. Back in 2007, I was an advisor wanting to really dive deep into infinite banking. I had read Nelson's book through and through, and uh, I had reached out to him, sent him a simple email because I was in the process of getting my own policy. And I had a question regarding direct versus non-direct dividends. And it seemed pretty important to me. And so I, I wanted to reach out to the expert and who better than Nelson Nash, the guy who wrote the book. And part of me didn't expect that I would actually ever hear from him. Well, I'm getting my kids into my minivan. I had a minivan back in 2007. I guess and, you did. You know, my kids are, well, they're young enough to be in car seats. And I'm, I'm having a heck of a time getting them into car seats to drive them to preschool. Cause, and I get this phone call before 8 a.m. And I'm thinking, who is calling me before 8 a.m.? And of course, it's Nelson. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, 7.45 uh, his time. It was 10.45. So it was already late morning and uh, he didn't probably realize where he was calling. So I answered the phone and not knowing who it was, I hear this voice, thick Alabama accent and an old man too. And I knew instantly who it was. <laughs> and it was a conversation I'll never forget. It was um, definitely... A highlight. It has been a highlight of my career uh, speaking to Nelson that first time. And the first thing he says to me uh, is to congratulate me on being in the industry. And he says to me, we need more people like you. There just simply aren't enough. Hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. That is awesome. I never, yeah. knew, I never knew about this. This is good. Yeah. And so I was flattered. I was extremely flattered. You know, here I am, you know, wrestling with my kids to get them in the minivan. And I've got the Nelson Nash on the phone calling me. I mean, I, I felt um, just completely humbled by it. And so after he acknowledges me and, and thanks me for being in the industry and for wanting to set up an IBC policy and, and becoming an IBC advisor, he said, son, you're majoring in the minors. And I don't have a thick Alabama accent, but if you could just imagine oh, yeah. <laughs> Nelson saying that, because you've heard him speak a number of times. Sure. I was floored. <laughs> I was floored because he built me up and then he just brought me down, you know? <laughs> yeah. But he That's was good. so right. He was so right. And of course, what, what he was talking about was direct versus non-direct dividends. I had asked him, you know, uh, wh which one makes more sense? And what he explained to me is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because what you need is a properly administered policy 
the life insurance company is going to do all the work, right? You just got to make sure that you get started, you think long-term and you capitalize. The insurance company is going to do the rest. So good. You know, building on that, if you're doing IBC properly, you're going to have multiple policies anyway. Some of them should be direct. Some of them should be non-direct. Right. But it, it doesn't really matter in the big picture of things. I think when I asked you about this, when I was doing my first policy, uh, you said, hey, is there such thing as a free lunch? <laughs> and so the answer, of course, is no. So the, you know, whether it's direct or non-direct, it's, it, the money is going to come from somewhere. Like, you, can't, you can't have money leave the insurance company and not have it be paid back in some, fa- uh, some manner. It's either going to be paid back through direct recognition or it's going to be paid back through non-direct recognition where everybody's going to pay for it. So it's like, it, it really, it really doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter to the overall scheme. As you mentioned, it's more about the process. And, and also like you already mentioned, it's, you, you can do, you can do both. You can, you can have several policies. You can have non-direct, you can have direct, you can have um, variable loan rates. You can have fixed loan rates. You know, all the all those different things can happen, and it's and it's probably a good idea to do that. Yeah, but the most important thing is having a pool of money under your control that you can access for anything that you yes. can think of. Yes. that that is the bigger picture. That's right. When you start getting into the weeds, and you know, wanting to know how a life insurance company makes their money, what they're investing in, um, you know, the, the dividends direct versus non-direct, all those things, while they might seem important, ultimately in the, in the bigger picture, they're, they're just minor details. Yeah. Agreed. And I will say that I think a lot of people will do come around to that. It's, it's, it starts off as a big deal. And then when you kind of explain how it works, it's like, oh yeah, maybe that's not such a big deal. (laughs) Think long-term, capitalize, be an honest banker and, you know, bypass the the bankers from that point on. Everything else is going to work out in your favor. You're going to create that tailwind. But to, to get into the minutia, you know, we were talking about, you know, you don't need to understand how a Rolls Royce engine works to drive a car, to drive that Rolls Royce, you know? And if you do, if you need to know, then maybe you should be in the business. Come on. We need some more guys, you know? <laughs> no, if, Come if on you in here. Know, call, call John Perrins. <laughs> he'll, he'll take the, the, the 30 days, if not more, to, to walk you through it. <laughs> That's right. And that gets down to the philosophy. Your money has to reside somewhere. Where's the, bla- where's the best place for that to happen. And, you know, that's the, that's the thing capitalize. And we were actually just, I was prepping with some, um, uh, some associates today. Uh, we're doing a, a real estate um, presentation um, in a couple of weeks. And that was the main thing we were talking about, um, you know, as a, as a topic of discussion for these real estate guys, your money has to reside somewhere. Real estate people have cash sitting waiting for an opportunity. Where is it sitting? You know, everybody should have cash sitting somewhere. Where's it sitting? (laughs) 
And so it has to reside somewhere. Where should it reside in, a, in an infinite banking whole life insurance policy? Right. And so our, our second big topic is then how long should we be funding premium into a whole life policy? Forever. We were joking about that earlier. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if <laughs> yeah. you have income coming in, right? where else would you put it? Someone else's bank that you don't own or control or your own banking system? It's a common sense question um, with a common sense answer. Totally agree. Just, I mean, your money has to reside somewhere. I'll say it again. And so as just like you said, if you're earning an income, and by the way, that income doesn't have to be from a job. It could be from other income generating assets that you've acquired along the way, you know, that money has to go somewhere. And so you, you know, when, when we're, when you're setting up a policy, there's kind of a, um, I think one of the reasons we have this question on there is there's a lot of information on the interwebs right now about, you know, doing short pay policies to try to maximize, um, you know, returns or maximize the amount of cash you have in a policy. And I, I, I think you and I both disagree with, you know, the, that that is the best way to do it. I think longer term policies, thinking long range, like Nelson says, is, is what we want to do. Yeah, the bigger picture is with these whole life policies, you're basically building a money making machine, a money making yeah. business that is guaranteed to turn a profit. And going even further, that profit will get larger the longer you have it. Think of a business where you have to start it and you're guaranteed that the end result is it's going to turn a profit. You're guaranteed to have a successful business. That's what this policy is. People get so hung up on the death benefit aspect of it that they completely misunderstand that this is a cash flow management system and they, they don't think of it like a money-making machine, but that's exactly what it's set up as. Yeah. And they also lose sight of the startup phase of any business. You know, it's uh, they, they get hung up on how much cash can you stuff in it in the early years? Well, it's like when you start a business, most people don't start a business to start it up and then leave it in a couple of years. I mean, I guess that does happen sometimes, but what we're doing here is we're capitalizing so you can create a whole bunch of businesses out of that, out of that source of capital, not just one business and leave. That's a two dimensional way of looking at money. What we want to do is set up a three dimensional engine that drives all of your, all of your future needs for capital. Exactly right. And so that, that's why these policies, in our opinion, is the best place for money to reside because you can use it someplace else. But once you get that dollar into the system, it's going to go to work for you for the rest of your life. The other thing that people you know, ask a lot of questions on is the paid up additions rider, which <laughs> it's, it's pretty interesting because I, I think it's a big source of confusion when people try to educate themselves with the myriad of, you know, pieces of information that are out there about PUAs or paid up additions. And um, it is a very important piece of an infinite banking policy. Um, and we, we use them all the time, 
but do you need a PUA rider to do infinite banking? You don't, it, it could work the old fashioned way. Um, and, and we've touched on this, you know, Nelson's mm -hmm. first policies were set up strictly for death benefit, but they accumulated substantial cash values over, you know, over decades. Yep. Um, so they, they can be a traditional whole life policy and still accumulate cash. Yep. Um, but on that point of PUAs, um, you know, most people, when they're learning about IBC, they get infatuated with the power of the PUA and it's hard not to, to love paid up additions. I mean, yeah. to be honest, I mean, <laughs> it's phenomenal. You know, you get to create uh, cash value pretty much dollar for dollar uh, what you contribute into that rider. Um, but it also accumulates death benefit that's paid up at the same time. And the, the flip side of this coin with a PUA rider is the power of that death benefit and the added flexibility that we get as policy owners by accumulating paid up additional blocks of death benefit within our policy. Because here we're talking about how long to fund a policy. And some people, yes, they may be thinking, you know, well, I just want to fund it for seven or 10 years and then have the policy be paid up. And yes, you can do that. Mm -hmm. and, and while we're trying to encourage you for as long as you have income to keep on funding that policy, because the benefits just get better and better as you go along. The flip side of it is that, well, with these paid up additions that you're accumulating, and I'm talking about the death benefit, with this accumulation of additional death benefit in the policy, this actually makes the policy so flexible to the point where you can elect on a temporary basis to not send in any premium or on a permanent basis, if you've decided that you're not going to put any more premium into the policy, you can officially pay up this policy by doing something called uh, reduce paid up. RPU is the acronym that we use. Uh, and basically it, it self-completes the policy by reducing the death benefit by a one-time lump sum if you're electing the permanent option and then there's no more premium required in your policy. One of the biggest misconceptions that people have about whole life is that they think they have to pay the premium forever. But right. the flexibility and the power of that death benefit is that it allows you to pay up a policy permanently anytime after the seventh year. Yep. And it also gives you some flexibility in how much you pay in any given month or year, you know, where, um, you know, maybe one month you're a little short. And so you don't, you don't, you're not required to make that paid up additions payment. You could pay the minimum, which is the base premium. And uh, so, you know, there's some flexibility in terms of how the uh, premium gets paid or how much the premium gets paid as well. Now, obviously that'll affect your cash value accumulation and your death benefit accumulation, but you have that flexibility there. And that PUA rider is a big component of that. Well, it is the component of that. Well, I think, I think John, that wraps it up on our end. Any, any last notes that, uh, that you might want to share? Think long range and, and trust your advisor. <laughs> those are the, those are the two uh, final thoughts that I have. If you have uh, questions for us, reach out to us. You can find us at the fifth edition.com and until next week, stay safe, everybody. All right. Take care.